Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today as well is Yarning My Mom Who Knits. I'm running out of, I'm running out of clever names. You could have called me Mask Making Mama today. Okay, Mask Making Mama, yes, we could, that's, that's a good, that's, I have this really cool mask I can't wait to wear around now, so wear around the the area here now because we're still in strange and weird times yeah so um but speaking of strange and weird stuff i today i wanted to talk about because we talked a lot about magic in our last episode when we were talking mm-hmm. about fate uh series and fate i thought night stay fate stay night stay night which which i i have to say has has sort of stayed with me really yeah in what way man i wonder i have a lot of thought into um the whole sort of the the parallels there are a lot of parallels. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very interesting. Good. Yeah. Well, staying kind of on the topic of magic, let's talk about probably one of the more famous uh, magical franchises out there that's not a card game, because there's magic the card game. So. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Harry Potter. Very cool. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm totally game for this. Well, I would figure you are, because you, you had the... So I so I will profess I didn't grow up with Harry Potter and I didn't. You're you're yeah you're old enough that well actually none of none of the three of you did. You had sort of the 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 parallel universe of of the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. And um and what else? That might have been it. I, I mean I might have had Lord of the Rings but I wasn't reading it That's yet true. at that yeah. point. Um, I wouldn't read it until many but the many movie, years. But the movies were out. And um. Yeah, the movie the movies would have started coming out at that point, which would have started the resurgence of that, which would have been I think like two thousand one, two thousand two. I want to say. Well, but, well, okay. So, Lord of the Rings, which which maybe is its own topic. Um, oh yes. Uh, Lord of the Rings. I know I saw one of them at a drive-in theater while I was hugely pregnant with your brother. So two thousand one is when Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring came out. Okay, there were a series, though. Yeah, so there was three different movies, and they came out like about every, like, two years, because I remember going to, like, a super late, like, midnight or, like, 11, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night showing when we were in the desert, when we used to go out for Christmas in the desert. Oh, yes. Okay. So, I, re- I remember seeing that. Yeah. Um, way back in time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, keep in mind that when they shot Lord of the Rings, they shot it all at once. Really, I hadn't. I, that that should be a, a topic. Oh yes, no, yeah. Lord of the Rings yeah. will definitely be a topic. Okay. Um, it, it is un- unnecessarily dense. Though. Yeah. Um, kind of a little bit as Harry Potter as well. Um, so uh, before we even get started on Harry Potter, we kind of got to talk about its author a little bit and some okay. of the history of it here. So um, obviously J.K. Rowling, which is a pen name for. Um, for the author here, uh, started writing these books. They started actually um, conceiving of these books back in early 1991, act- 1990s actually. Okay. Um, but it wouldn't be until about 1997 that the book actually got published. Um, and it's kind of interesting during that time, um, she actually had the idea for when she got delayed on a train from Manchester to London. So obviously, it's a very British series. Um, and oddly enough, between that individual time, she actually, between when the book came out and when she thought of the idea, her mother had passed away. She had her first child. Um, she also got her, she also uh, divorced her first husband. 
Um, it was actually pretty much into uh, pretty much on the very borderline of poverty for a great many years uh, prior to the publication of the book. Um, and a lot of people actually, from what I understand of it, turned the book down initially because children's literature um, and books were not well. Books like this were not well received at, um, received during that time. Apparently, series of unfortunate events. I was. I'm sorry. I was trying to place what other series you might have had. Well, I, I never. I never read that. Oh, I, I was kind I of as well was aware of it, but never read it. Mark was into it. Okay. Yeah. Um. But no, yeah, no. So the first book did relatively well, um, and the second book did really, really great. Um, and every single uh, the first few books actually won Smarty Awards, which are a uh, was promoted by Nestle, which is a children's literature award. Mm-hmm. Um, J.K. Rowling actually pulled out after the third after the fourth book because she didn't because she wanted to let other people start winning it again. That's cute. So, because um, keep in mind, she released the first four books pretty much every uh, every year. Well, and I was surprised to hear you say that the first release was quite that early because um, I, I would have told you that I was reading them to your brother when he was like seven or eight. And then and then eventually he was reading them to me. Yeah, and I think that seven or eight probably would have uh, been... He was, born per- in, he was born in 94. Yeah, so it would have been ra- right about the time the first... Mo- yeah, so that would have been the first... When the first movie came out for it as well. Okay. Um which, to my own, probably a little bit of dismay. Like, I lampooned the original movie. Like, I was just like, oh, it's this. Ugh. Not another, you know, young adult fiction thing. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, like, like over time, like, you kind of like, okay, this is not horrible. This isn't bad. And eventually, after reading all the books, it's like, okay, like, I have opinions. and I have, I have a deeper opinion about the movies now, which yeah. I share with a lot of people, apparently. Okay. But we'll talk about the movies a little bit later. Um so again, released from 1987 until 2007, um, the there are seven books which are promote which basically tell the story of Harry Potter and his friends. They go to wizarding school, which is uh, basically a boarding school in British culture, which is not uncommon. Um, you send your children away from basically like September until until Christmas time, and then and they from come like back. Age- 11, 12 up. Yeah, all the way through high school in a lot of cases. Yeah. So they often are not even with their parents after, for a great majority after a certain point. Yeah. Um, and the diff- the seven different books in order uh, start with the Philosopher's Stone, or in America we know it here as the Sorcerer's Stone. So they're all usually Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone yeah. or Philosopher's Stone, um, which came out in 97. Then you have Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which is 98. Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is 1999. My personal favorite. Uh, you have Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire in 2000. My least favorite. I actually have issues with the movie more than I do the book on that one, but again, we'll get to the movies yeah. here a little bit later. Uh, you have Order of the Phoenix, which came out in 2003. Um, and then you have Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which came out in 2005. And finally, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which... Ended up becoming its own two-part movie. Yeah. Because it mostly revolves around camping. <laughs> it works for me. It so works I, for me. It, yeah. Um, I'm a camper girl. That's okay. I mean, um, J.K. Um, J.K. Rowling has um, when the, by the end of the 2007 by the end of the final book year, she actually kind of went on record saying that 
She wanted to, she probably was not going to write any more in the Harry Potter universe. And that she had, she was probably not going to write fantasy ever again either. But she later reported um, when she had Well, financially, she didn't have to write at all. Huh? Financially, she doesn't have to write at all, ever. Oh, no, but she actually does write. She actually writes under um, another pen name where she does young adult and some adult stories under the name of Robert Galbraith. So she does some crime stuff with that. Oh, that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and again, I mean, like, she obviously doesn't have to do that. Um, in 2010, uh, she mentioned that she was interested in possibly writing an encyclopedia for the Harry Potter universe, which would have fleshed out a little couple more of the different creatures, locations, um, some more of the magic system, as well as other ideas that uh, were either left on the cutting room floor or that never actually appeared um, in the books at all. I hate backfill. I actually, because because people change narrative through backfill. We can talk about that later with this series, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, people will, will will sometimes change narrative with backfill, and it, it, to me, it, it doesn't add. There's some, I mean, keep in mind that there's a lot of stories that are out there. Um, a prime example of this, I think, actually, is Game of Thrones, where there's this whole other history of stuff that happened prior to the events and even starting of Game of Thrones. So, um, so the pre- prequel about uh, the murder of the uh, king? Well, the, again, the I mean... The crazy king? Yeah, and there's a lot of... I mean, one of the one of the absolute highlights of the DVDs for Game of Thrones um, is that there's a, is that in the... There are the short little, like, five to ten minute long little snippets of just moving background and, and uh, caricatures of characters that actually kind of flesh out all this extra details that happen. So they talk about uh, Rhaegar and his, you know, they talk about the different areas and what they're well known for and how kind of some of their prominence came about, how the Red Keep, you know, why is the Red, why is the Red Keep where it is? Well, that's because that's where the, that's where the, the Targaryens landed at, as an example. Okay. Um, and they flesh out a lot more of like kind of the background details of kind of the rest of the world. Um, as as the people know it, and even kind of hint at some of the more seedier natures of it, and it's all narrated by the cast members of Game of Thrones as well. Oh, that's so cool. different kind of so like if they're talking I'll about have to look for that. Oh no! You, so they have so like every season usually has like uh, every episode usually has like a little five minute bumper at the very end that kind of does this uh, for each one of the episodes. They're all available. I've seen them mostly on YouTube. Um, okay. And usually they're in like uh, half hour little segments of like a couple stories at a time. Um, and they do a great job of fleshing out the world. And I think that's kind of what um, uh, J.K. Rowling was intending to do with the encyclopedia was to kind of help flesh out more of the world, which it kind of does get fleshed out more um, in the uh, Fan- Fantastical Beast series. I was going to say, I enjoyed Fantastical Beasts. I kind of enjoy it too because I like how it's a different. I like how it's not focused on children, so it gives you kind of a different take on some of the Wizarding World stuff and kind of some of the other stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind prequels if you kind of, uh, so long as you're not... It's, it's more in the Muggle world, which I kind of enjoy. And it's more or less in kind of America in a lot of cases, too. Yeah. Which I, I kind of great, greatly appreciate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, like how, uh, I like how much they blend the two worlds together in a lot more cases. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think it's kind of those are the movies more meant for people like me who are more adults past the original reading age and kind of like still in love with the 
Harry Potter universe. Plus, I think it's yeah. also a great way to just continue the stories in a lot of cases. Yep. Uh, so, uh, the way she... So, originally she wanted to write an encyclopedia, but she mentioned that it might take like 10 years to write it. Um, in the meantime, what she ended up doing is she ended up creating a website called Pottermore, where they hosted... Which was kind of like the web portal for Harry Potter back in the day. Um, and it often actually included extra additional supplementary work from J.K. Rowling on that website, and so extra interviews, extra background detail on some of the characters, um, things like that. Is it still up? So it's actually rebranded as Wizarding World, which is uh, kind of the tagline for, uh, which is the limited liability company that covers all of the Harry Potter kind of franchise outside of the books. Um, so So that includes the website, the movies... Uh, the video games, the theme park attractions, stuff like that. Which we saw one. We saw one, and they they are at the other ones, and so we yeah. will, um, which was talk talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah that because that was kind of a little bit bizarre to see from in my Japan. point in, in Japan, and mostly Universal being a primarily English or a Western sort of like franchises in a theme park that was very popular for Japanese. Yeah, yeah. So especially the Harry Potter section. Um, eventually, there is kind of an eighth story that came out in 2016, which is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, um, but was first introduced as a play, actually. I, I was in... not aware of this. Why was I not aware of this? It actually, So what's interesting about it is that um, the play itself takes place 19 years after the events of uh, Harry Potter. Um, so, which ended, which in the events of the, in the story take end in, uh, 2000 and 1997 slash 98, supposed to take place about 19 years later after, um, Harry has become the head of the, of magical laws department in the ministry of magic. Oh, I uh, thought he was going to be an or he, he starts as an or and eventually becomes the head of the, oh, I have the notes here. Because it's been a while since I've read it here. It becomes the head of magical law enforcement for the Ministry of Magic. Oh. Ron also kind of doubles as an aura for a while. Um, so we'll talk about these guys yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the story actually takes place with Harry Potter's child and kind of their their kind of strained relationship. Um, and eventually devolves into time travel. Oh. Yeah. Uh, in kind of, with a lot of interesting kind mm-hmm. of... Uh, Revelations because of it. Okay. Um, but one of the things we do have to kind of talk about with J.K. Rowling um, is kind of her most recent statements. So we are recording this here in uh, late October of 2020. And as of June 2020, J.K. Rowling has actually been in quite a bit of hot water with some... Homophobic. Okay, well, not not necessarily... Not, okay, not I was just going to say it. Okay. It's not necessarily homophobic. It's actually transphobic. Transphobic. Okay. So uh, the differentiating here, obviously, being is that... Because um, keep in mind, like, one of her characters is actually... She, she self-professes being gay, and a lot of her politics is actually center-left in a lot of cases. Like, as an example, when Scotland had a referendum on gay marriage, she made a point of saying, yeah, wouldn't that be great? Then these two characters in my stories can actually get married there. Which two characters? It's Snape and Dumbledore? No, no. It's actually Dumbledore and 
Rindle, um, and I can't remember his name to save my life here, but I do have it in the notes because I write, try to write good notes here. Um, Gerald Grindelwald. So he's the bad guy in the uh, Fantastical Beast series. Yeah. Um, so she made a point of saying that on Twitter, and then like the Westboro Baptist Church were like, well, then we'll go pick it. In. And then she was like, wouldn't it be fantastic for them to just blow your bigoted minds out by seeing it? So. So in a lot of cases, I mean, she was actually fairly center-left for a lot of so politics. So why, why transphobic? There are no trans that I'm aware of. In, the, in her stories, no, but, you know, there's no trans characters in her stories at all. Um, so, so let me paint the picture for you as best as I can. Um, the comment comes out of a... So there's a term that's used for some transgender men and non-binary uh, pe- uh, people... Uh-huh. Because they're not men or women. They're non-binary. Right, right. Um, and it's called... Better people... than, than calling them hermaphrodite. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, they're also sometimes... Non-binary could also just say that you don't identify right, either as a man, I, yeah. a man or yeah. a woman. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of grayness that's in the trans community of how people distinguish and see themselves. And so it's not necessarily fair to say yeah. they are one way or another. Well, uh, and that's the whole pronoun issue. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, my my company now actually has on the website where you can look up your individual individual people, they actually have an option there where you can say what your pronouns are. Exactly, so, yes. Um, so the comment for originally, originally stems from um, the phrase here that's <laughs> used to kind of describe uh, these, individu- these particular people as people who menstruate. <laughs> okay. So um, <laughs> I, I know, I, I know. It's like... It's, the, it's a turn of phrase, I guess. At the end, of the, it's, it's just well, a phrase. Well, I understand as a as a as a woman, and it and it. I think it's, it's slowly becoming less so. But that was always that dirty shame that that uh, that women bore, and you hid what time of the that time of the month. Mm-hmm. You you hid that it was happening because it was you had like strange it was, euphemisms for it. Oh yeah, well it was like you couldn't be open about carrying a little purse to the bathroom with a pad in it because you had to, or a tampon because you had to change. And and it was always this little secret that nobody could know about, and you know you. So it's interesting to hear people defined as people who menstruate, because it's like that that. It's it's associated with like dirty. And, like nobody, and like nobody just, really talks about having sex and doing particular positions, but like there are very quiet conversations about that. Yeah. I would imagine that's probably very similar, I would yeah. presume. Yeah, I ju- it's just interesting to me because when I grew up, you just... You never talked about it. You never talked about it, and you hid it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the bathroom, in your home bathroom, you hid it. Um, so here are her original comments, and I'm going to read them verbatim um, as, as, I've, as I've seen them reported. Um, in reference to men... to people who menstruate. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to have meaningful, to meaningfully discuss their lives. But why do trans people not have sex? I, I, I don't understand that concept. Again, I mean, the sex in this particular case, again, being like whether you identify as a male or female, and I think if the, you don't have gender, yeah, 
Okay, it's not meaning sex as in sex as in like you know the act of sex. It's talk, they're talking about sex as in the, as the descriptive. And understand that that um, my close friend Nikki became Nick, mm-hmm. and Pop's close friend Marlon became Alana, and mm-hmm. so we we and I know through the AIDS ride a number of trans people, mm-hmm. also also um, people who associate differently than than non-binary. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think her comment primarily stems from this notion that. Um, you know that you can be a man or a woman, but kind of a rate, kind of graying or mudding up that zone, apparently makes it so that other people who do identify as men or women are, you know, are now don't have those individual kind of identifiers anymore, so they don't have those individual shared experiences. So, like women only, you I mean like, admittingly, as a guy, I'll never know what it's like to be to to have to go to the bathroom once a month and for an entire week just have horrible cramps, ble- bleeding, stuff like that. I'll never understand what's that, what that is like. And Yeah, and, and mind you, I never really had horrible cramps, or they weren't bad if I had them for a day or so. When I had an IUD, I had them. Yeah. But um, another thing, we don't talk about birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but we um, sure do try to regulate it. Yeah, yeah. But you can't tell I lean to the left. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I fully believe people can be misassigned at birth. Mm-hmm. I have a cousin who I believe is misassigned at birth. Um, and, and fully support the right to realign yourself with what you're comfortable with. And, and, and so I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting dialogue. What I, I think a lot, a lot of people like it, I, I do find it somewhat of an interesting dialogue, but I think it's primarily um, it's it's this intention and notion of stuff that people th- that people think is happening, but that that's not actually happening. And so m- the reason I say that here in a lot of cases is that a lot of times they bring you know people bring up you know well you can't allow men in the women's bath bathroom at all, and the problem that, but but again the problem but again the problem you know because their notion here is that like. Oh, you could be a man and believe that oh, I'm I'm a wo- I'm a woman and go into the men into the women's bathroom, and sexually assault women there in the ba- in the bathroom, which I can appreciate being a concern. I can't. It, well, no, no, I, I can appreciate the that a woman's concerned about a man coming into the to the women's bathroom and assaulting you. Oh, in pret- the bathroom. pretending to be pretending yeah. to be cross gender and yeah. and and do it. Yeah, and I've I've heard that argument. Now, mind you. We shower on the AIDS ride in in firefighter showers, and so they're little like, like thirty by thirty stalls. Mm-hmm. And the the biggest secret on the ride is there's lines for the women's showers, there's lines for the men's showers. There's only so many of them. There's twenty seven hundred of us um, that need to get showered, and um, and there's there's usually no line or only one or two people waiting in the gender neutral shower. Same setup. You have slightly more privacy because it's got a, like a little stall outside of the shower stall that's still like like maybe you know 24 by 30. But I am more than happy to go in the gender neutral shower and shower there. And there's a guy showering next to me. I could care less. I'm in my own little stall, mm-hmm. and um, and nobody's ever tried to take a peek. Nobody's ever anything. Um, and to me, it's it's just as as comfortable as showering in the women's shower, 
I don't see the difference. Well, uh, and again, what I would often... Except I don't have to wait in this long a line. And again, I mean, even in the bathroom argument, I often decry people who mention it. It's like, oh, well, you'll have... How often does that happen? It, well, again, A, how often does that happen? And B, like, if you really want to stick to those particular norms, like, if you had a guy who believes... If, if you have a person who is in the process of either becoming a woman or identifies as a woman, but making him go to the restroom that they Places were, him in danger. Well, place, A, places him in danger if they go to the incorrect bathroom in here, because now you've got... What looks like a man in the women's restroom or a woman in men's the men's bathroom, restroom. and, and that's really dangerous for for women in in a men's in a men's yeah. bathroom. But and that creates its own entire organizational problem to begin with, anyways. Because again, now you're forcing these people into uncomfortable situations where everyone else is kind of uh, on edge, and you're making more people. Again, it's it's this notion that like something is happening that's not actually really happening. In my liberal little, little heart, I don't understand why we think everybody is, well, okay. I don't understand why people spend so much time being upset about stuff that just doesn't Never happen. Affect that, them. Yeah. And, and, and just, just deal with it. I know, it, and, <laughs> and, and and I'm sure the argument that actually comes up after that is going to probably be that, like, you know, is... Now, again, as an example here, like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really concern me at the end of the day, um, especially coming from, like, again, like, as a hotel, like, I kind of understand, from a hotel point of view, again, this is the example I tend to use the most as it was my longest-lasting career at the yeah. state. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't care that happens in a hotel, yep. but that kind of at the end of the day, I do really do care about that not being a standard. Like my my biggest example here could be that like I don't really, you know, prostitution is completely up to you at the end of the day. Like yep. I really don't think there should be, I think there should be an Uber for prostitution in all honesty, where you can give ratings and stars, have healthcare related around it here. I mean, like what people, what two consenting people decide to do as far as selling a service and not your body at the end of the day is completely up to them and i think you know and i think that if you, you know, that if you destigmatize it here by saying you can make it legal that at the end of the day like who really care you know like i don't know a whole lot of people that works would, in nevada yeah um but i can see from certain points of view that would be like okay well how could you truly know whether somebody is being is process is being a prostitute or not or you oh. know or you can have a license for it i think at the end of the day so, so when i worked in red lion um, there was a girl who was in my marketing class, mm -hmm. and she would actually sit in the lobby, very pretty, would always dress very well, not dress slutty, um, or not dress seductively. She was dressed nicely, mm -hmm. and she would sit in the lobby. She was in my marketing class, and I knew what I knew what she was. It was pretty obvious because guys yeah. would come over and talk to her, mm -hmm. and then they'd sit. She'd invite them to sit down, and they'd have a talk for a little while, and then they would leave together. They would leave together. And so um, one time um, we were both working on a project for our marketing class and I was getting ready to go to lunch and she overheard me because I'm at the front desk. And, um, and we, we were allowed to eat lunch in the coffee shop. We had, there was a section that employees could eat in, in the coffee shop. Mm. And um, so she asked if she could join me so we could talk about our project, you know, our separate projects. And, and, and we had this great conversation. And um, she said, so I guess you wonder, and she was my age at the time I was 20. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we had this great conversation, which at one point she asked, she said, I, I bet you wonder how I can do this. And I said, well, yeah, but I'm not, I mean, that's, it's your choice. And she said, I watch you every day. What are you making? At the time, I was making two twenty-five an hour, which was a quarter over minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So it had been in the in the late seventies, and um, and barely making rent and paying tuition, and because I was working my way through school, and I was working forty hours a week. And she said, you know, I work three nights a week. I have an apartment, a really nice. I knew the building, and um, and I have nice clothes, and I have all these things, and I don't. I I work three nights a week for you know like four hours a shot it's just not that hard okay never thought about doing it myself but i understood her point yeah and we were both i mean we we're both in the top of that class oh i used to say the same thing when i made balloon animals i mean like i used yeah. to i used to tell people when i made balloon animals like yeah i maybe work like 10 15 hours a week and primarily on friday saturdays nice. and sundays yeah and then the rest of the week, I just kind of I go to class, and then people would look at me. as like, "Well, how much do you make like an hour?" I was like, eh, "On a good and a good night, I can probably work anywhere from like, you know, twenty to thirty-five, twenty to thirty-five bucks an hour." Yeah. It's like really. It's like yeah. yeah. I mean, I got to yeah. kind of drive a little bit out to. Know, I got to drive a little bit out there, because um, admittedly, Pomona doesn't have anything nearby it that's really interesting to do. Yeah, but you guys used to work Chevys and things like that. Yeah, and, we used yeah. to go, go out to like deep in LA or. Uh, the suburbs family restaurants oh yeah lots of family restaurants yeah Uh, yeah so 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 my point is i i I understood her i understood her motivation i think unfortunately there are a lot of a lot of women who do it to support drug habits and those sorts of things mm -hmm. and and all but it's going to exist whether you legalize it or not yeah i mean i mean all Everything that's illegal exists one way or an, one way or another. Yeah. I mean, like illegal yeah. drugs exist. We're and, way off our topic. Here. No, and we are way off our topic, and I'm trying to steer <laughs> us back a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I don't, yeah. I don't really appreciate people who really do. I mean, if you have these beliefs on your own, I mean, like so long as they're not hurting anybody else, I could really give two shits about what you believe in. Um, yeah. And I don't, because again, I mean, like I, I don't have that kind of time time of day to really worry about what everyone else is thinking. I mean, like. I, you regulate I, things that are dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And and at the at the point where where prostitution becomes dangerous is at the point where where people are carrying diseases, male yeah. or female. Absolutely. And and from that end, if you legalize it, then you can you know force quarterly health checks. You can you can have quarterly health checks. You can have a license that requires you to do X, Y, and Z to have health insurance. Here you could you can have you can have agencies. You can have firms. You can have you know again. I mean, I think you, you can have do agencies it. now. You have, I mean, escort. yeah, but 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 they're not yeah, but they're not like legitimate things. In some yeah, in most cases. What is it Ashley Madison, for people who want to have affairs? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and again, that's all circles back around to the trans rights, trans community here, um, which a lot of people were, you know, rightfully rather upset with uh, J.K. Rowling over because again, she seems fairly left wing in a lot of cases for a lot of a lot of left leaning center left as far as her politics and beliefs. And to hear this coming out of her, everyone was very kind of like, whoa. to the point that even a lot of the cast members for her mo- for the Harry Potter and Harry Potter movies were actually also quite upset with her over it as well, making uh, statements about it. Yeah. Um, Glad was also obviously one of the most prominent people to speak out about it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things um, that kind of came out of a result of this was 
Um, she ended up having to return her Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Award. Oh wow! Yeah, which she she which uh, the president at the time, um, Carrie Kennedy, uh, you know, called her statements very very hurtful to this particular community, and you know, requested the, the reward be returned. Um, and J.K. Rowling, you know, said, "Oh, this is you know, she's." Um, it's a complicated sort of issue, and I feel as though um, she, because again, keep in mind, she has a very large following on Twitter. She has a very large social media following. Oh, I'm sure. But I think it's, it, so I'm, I'm going to back us up here because we may have done it ourselves in this conversation. I think it's a topic that um, it's easy to misspeak about. Yes. Because I, I, because I, it's it's, I think it's difficult to understand um, as much as I have several transgender friends, it's difficult to understand what that what that transition is. Um, I have a friend whose child is going through that right now; is in their mid twenties. Um, so I've seen it from a couple different perspectives, but I, I have no valid opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, because it's not it's not it's not happening to you. It's not right, happening. and so I I could very easily misspeak. And not realize that we did. Yeah. Um, I often, I mean, one of my favorite examples of this is that in mid-January here in San Jose, there is a furry convention, which is basically a person that dresses up in right? a full body. I love uh, the furry fur- convention. It's so much fun because I work downtown. Oh, yeah. No. And, and again, I mean, like, I always thought it was, uh, I, I always thought it was hilarious as well because you get to see all these really kind of cool mascot people w- running around and everything. Well, and it makes sense to me that it's in, it's always in the winter. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me because those things must be hot. Oh, yeah. Um, but everyone at the hotel that I've ever worked at was always like, oh, it's the furries again. Those weird degenerates. And I had to, and went through a large, I, went, I went, it made an actual, like, you know, point of going to all these people that were like, so that had mentioned this. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, you, you can't. You misinterpret. You're misinterpreting what's happening at the end of the day. I mean, like, you know, and, and at the same time, like, they're not hurting you at all are they like has any one of these furries come up to you and offered to have to do something weird with you or started just like grinding Proposition, on you yeah. you just start grinding on you randomly like no so like yeah. keep in mind that like what these you know and i often go to the point of saying that these are people that might have some level of insecurities about sec- their sexual life and they might you know or they might be trying to act out something that they are in that they believe in at the end of the day or that they're trying to express through their individual characters and they're not degenerates and they're not villains on any particular level i mean like they're just doing something in a way that you don't normally see all that often so obviously it's weird for you much in the same way like i go to cause i go to when i go to cosplay like i dressed up i dressed up as a as a woman in, in a full ball gown and I actually, it was gonna, it was gonna say, I was gonna add into into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the bravest things I've, I've ever seen anybody do was you being downstairs with your staff, mm-hmm. dressed as a woman in high heels. Oh, and again, I had a, I had a little power suit later on that I that I wore, and I was just leading people up through the elevators and directing traffic for a while. Like, yeah, I didn't. I mean, like, it doesn't. I mean, in that kind of environment, but that's the, brave. That's brave in a way because um, I think there are lots of times when um, we are so afraid of being 
judged that we withhold um, parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And yet when we reveal them, we allow other people to know, oh, that's not really a strange person. No. That's just somebody, because I know that person. And, that, and, that and it takes some of the fear out of it. Absolutely. And so, and so I wanted to, to say, I really thought that was so brave. Well, I, I totally blew me away. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Like the second I walked up to you and I saw you, like, look, you're just like, oh, I'm <laughs> sure. I can't imagine what that was like for you. I'm sure that was very bizarre. It is very bizarre. Um, and I figured, like, if I was going to do it, I'd do it at a convention where, like, I wasn't going to get judged. And it wasn't going to seem odd or unusual. Yep. It was going to be perfectly loud. Lots of it. Uh, lots of it happening with everything else out there. And so at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. It would seem to me like it's very freeing. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I loved being in cosplay. That was a lot of fun. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, just going back to that real quickly. I, I love the notion that I spent like three hours getting my makeup done, and talking with these two people. One of which I talked with fairly frequently. This other person, and they were just having a ball. They were like, they were just they, they, the way they were the way they were talking to me was like, you were like so cool for doing this. Like, what yeah. made you do this? It was like she dared me. Which was partly on a dare, and I was like, you know, and because she often asked if I would ever do drag, and I was like, sure, I give it a try. Nothing, nothing ventured, nothing lost, and yeah, you know, and I've always personally believe believe that a woman in a in a formal gown is probably the most beautiful that they ever get to look like. In a lot of cases, mostly because they purposely go out of their way to look the most beautiful they can. Yep. So love an excuse to dress up. Mm -hmm. So circling back around, I mean, obviously this is a portion of J.K. Rowling, which is. Um, again, like some people have difficulty divorcing themselves from um, the media that the person is involved in, especially in J.K. Rowling's case where she's very heavily involved in yeah. uh, what we'll term as the Wizarding World, which is, we'll cover the Harry Potter universe as well. We'll describe it here, the Wizarding World. Um, much in the same way, I know like myself, I had a hard time listening to Michael Jackson music after the allegations um, came out about yeah. his... Um, his preference for younger men. Um, I, I that can, was so tactfully put. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the best way. Yep. Trying not to offend anybody, but you, still, I mean, still make the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so I mean, like, if you can't divorce yourself from somebody's, uh, as an example here, like, I still haven't seen Ender's Game, which is uh, which authored by or or Orson Scott Card, because he has really, really far right, um, hateful things. Yeah. Um, but it's a very seminal work of science fiction, and it, you know, and it's and the tropes are reused all the time in other stuff. Um, and as much as I really want to watch it, watch the movie, and read the book for it, um, you know, like I can't bring myself to do it because I know of how hurtful and hateful this person is. So, like, if this is a barrier for you or other people getting into Harry Potter. I totally understand um, and just wanted to make a point of having a discussion about it because I think it's an important element of the series now where a lot of people for Harry Potter, which is a seminal uh, young young adult series, I mean, like for a lot of people, again, they grew up with reading these books and it's very much a part of their young, um, their young lives here. And, to, and again, like this all kind of came out of left field where you thought this person was this great champion of, of I mean... Keep in mind, like she's been having, she's had like difficulties with the Christian and and religious community because well, a lot I was of her, hoping we would get to that, yeah, yeah, because a lot of her books describe, you know, we're not necessarily promoting witchcraft or, or magic, but like they talk about it in a great deal, and it's a very prominent element in the book. I mean, I remember, 
um, I used to play video games with a friend, and one of his sisters made a point of saying that the video game we were pr playing promoted alchemy because you, you get you mixed different elements together to create magic magic at the end of the day. And after that was made a point with her with her with his parents, the game disappeared overnight. Yeah, and we never actually got to finish the game, which I, I mean, which I later finished many years later. Um, but at that as an example. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, I remember having talks about that when, when the books were, were first out and we were reading them. Mm -hmm. It talks about, about you, you, it, how can you be Christian and still do this and, and you know, and, and promote this, reading this, this material. Um, and, and so we, when we get to that, I have lots to say. Oh, that, that was the only element I have. We can talk oh. about that right now, actually. Cause oh, oh, okay. Because I, so, so, I kind so, of blow past the argument because, again, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, because, again, I always make the notion here. There's a lot of you know, like, do you, people who are like religious who, who are so fanatically religious like this? I mean, like, surely you must realize that it's a work of fiction. Nobody is going out of their way to say like magic is real or anything like that. And you know, if your child is at a point where like they're confused by it all, you can have that discussion with your child at the end of the day. Like, but that's a conversation between you and your child that's not a conversation between the piece of work and and you at the end of the day i mean like at the end of the day here like daniel radcliffe who plays harry potter he is not responsible for promoting magic he is playing he is playing a character well, and, and the books aren't so so i think it's one thing to say okay so this is promoting that everybody be wiccan and everybody become a witch um and uh and uh She's a witch. She's a witch. She turned me into a. I got a newt. better. I, got better. I, I, I turned me into a newt. Really? I got, I got better. Got better. Um, Does she weigh less than a duck? Monty Python. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, uh, to me, it, it promotes living in fantasy, and I think I think every child, every adult. Um, needs to have some portion of their life that's lived in fantasy. Some portion of their life that's lived in a world that doesn't have the confines of this one. Because I think it allows you to, to, to think creatively, to be outside the box, to make have other considerations that maybe aren't present when you're following all the rules that are in this world. I actually think that's really important. I think that's why things like Star Trek and Star Wars and those things are so popular with adults is because they allow you to think outside of the box. They give you a different set of rules to, to deal with. And um, I think they promote both two things. You know, one, being creative within your own life and maybe looking at other problem solution, you know, Problems problem solving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also think they, they force you to examine the things in this world that maybe could be different. Well, in, I, I, I term, I, so there's an actual great term for that. It's called escapism. Mm-hmm. And I think escapism is a important element that a lot of people um, try to distance themselves from because they think like, oh, you're living in a fantasy or, or you're not living in reality. When in reality, like, no, we're all living in reality. You know, like nobody's not physically. You're just, you're just giving it a break. You're, you're giving it a break, but you're also getting a chance to look at it from another side. I mean, that's yeah. I, I love the diverse cultures in... Uh, Star Trek at the end of the day like I love Klingon culture I love how I love how Klingons are like this barbarian honor society with this 
deep sense of a code and moral morality and how like deception and not being honorable is a huge crime in their world versus yeah. you go to uh, the Romulans, which are all this very secretive kind of semi backstabbing, you know, like we're only in it for ourselves. So we might ally with you if it's beneficial. It, it to serves us. us. Yeah. If it serves us, but we're also very stealthy and very kind of cunning. I mean, like, you know, at the end of the day, then and, you've got Vulcans, uh, you know, Vulcans, uh, which are very logical, very stern, and don't so, so suppressing their emotion. And they suppress their emotions because they actually feel their emotions a lot more than they than other cultures do, and it affects them a lot more in that particular case. Um, and then, obviously, I love the Cardassians. At the end of the day, I love this militaristic structure where, you know, where the state is always correct. Everyone is found guilty. It's just a matter of the trial is just a formality in most in most cases. But the state is always right, and everybody works for the benefit of the state. And you um, have seven of nine with the whole sort of quasi-matrix thing. And or, yeah, and you have the Borg. And I love I love looking at it from different from being able to examine other perspectives through the lens of another race or another culture, because I think that's interesting at the end of the day to see the analogies to our own real world life and. Uh, and things that are happening around our real world life, because again, I mean, like a lot of those, a lot of those shows, especially if you, especially when you go back to the original Star Trek, like uh, Gene Roddenberry made it a very prescient point to have a Japanese guy, a Russian person, a Scottish person, a black woman, yeah, you know, in the cast, and made it, you know, you know, where a lot of that was not typical. Even when they had an episode where characters went back in time, they were like. A, a black woman on uh, a black woman as as an officer, you know, like, well, okay. yeah, in our culture, that's not weird. Yeah, you know, that's normal for us, and I love how that was like normalizing something for a lot of people. Where like, Janeway. You know, yeah, but again, like the first Captain female Janeway. captain in a lot of cases. I mean, you had Avery Books as uh, Benjamin Sisko, so the first black captain. You know, like I love how you know like that you had all these different cultures that melded together and at the end of the day they were just elements of your character not the most overwhelming defining element of your character well and so so, so i think fantasy worlds allow you to examine this one and mm -hmm. i i see a difference like nobody in you know in the 60s nobody had an outcry over bewitched um or i dream of genie mm -hmm. um both of which dealt with magic um, and nobody yeah. said, oh, those are anti-Christian shows. So yeah. it, to me, it's very much the same thing. There's nothing in this book that's promoting you and I practicing magic. It doesn't give us any spells that we could duplicate. It doesn't, you know, there's, there's, we're not able to grow plants that, that scream. Um, and, um, and, and we don't have uh, two headed dogs, three headed dogs. What, what was what was I think it was a three-headed dog. Three-headed dog, it's a, yeah. It's, illusion, it's an illusion of Cerberus, which is the guard of hell in right, uh, right, Greek right, mythology. Right. And, um, and, and that sort of thing. So, so to me, I don't see it at all as being anti-Christian. Um, and, and, and I'm a Sunday school teacher. So, um, so there you are. Um, but I thought the outcry was really misplaced. If it got your child reading and interested in reading, which I think is such an important thing, well, I think it gets a little bit more difficult as, as we get older here. To to take time to read? Well, not just to take time to read, to to find something that's worth reading at the end of the day. Um, I, I can give you a list, because I, I audible all the time. No, no, and I, 
I listen to a lot Mostly more nonfiction. I listen to a lot of books now as well, yeah. and I read a lot of I read a lot of Wikipedia and, and wiki articles on stuff. Yeah. Um, in order to familiarize myself, I read a lot of uh, notes and show notes regarding TV series and background yeah. stuff because I find that stuff interesting. Um, and I tend to read and tend to want now listen to a lot of my books again on Audible as well because I tend to find that. Um, it's much easier to listen to it than actually sitting down and reading it, but it's still sometimes... Well, I can do it while I'm riding a stationary bike mm-hmm. and knitting. Well, uh, well, so again, I can triple task. But again, I mean, like you won't stop me from reading Japanese manga at the end of the day, even though it's it's not the literary form. I mean, like I'm literally sitting with Watakoi um, on my table right now, which is probably one of my favorite Japanese series here. Love is Hard for Otaku. Yeah, I see that. And, and That's it, the it, one where she's a bunny? Uh, no, no, no. So... Uh, okay. um, so, so the two people um, on this front cover here are both office workers um, who know each other from childhood. Um, the guy is a gamer otaku, while the girl is in uh, is what they call a fujo, uh, fujoji um, otaku, which is kind of the way to say she she's interested in two male character um, two male, two male character relationships, so uh, yaoi relationships oh, okay. in manga. Um, but they're both. I mean, but they're both nerds, and their inherent difficulties in having a romance with each other that's primarily around their other fo- that are around their otaku focuses, which is how they relate to each other, and yeah. not not around you know their mutual love for each other because of those weird topics and supporting each other. Yeah. Uh, versus you know their inherent sort of physical romance in a lot of cases, because I mean they both find each other very attractive at the end of the day, but they're more interested in each other's just company for the most part. Yeah. And it's very cute. Um, and um, I, I tend to find that the anime is like spot on with a lot of it because it pulls a lot of references from anime and other games and stuff. So yeah. it's just like perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so fan- living in, you know, exploring a fantasy world is not, not anti Christian. No. In, in my, in my, now, if I think it's different if you're talking about values. And I and I and I and I think you can have values in lots of things that aren't Christian based. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I think the set of books has excellent values. Yeah, I mean, they're being loyal, being brave, working hard, being smart. Um, yeah, going to classes and doing your best. I mean, like the characters. Are, I mean, it, bonding with friends. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. part of your tribe. Doing what's wrong, even though doing what's right, even though you know that it's going to potentially harm you or hurt you at the end of the day risk the consequences mm-hmm. yeah so let's actually talk about that world here actually okay. we, so um for those who are not aware of harry potter we've been kind of talking about it analogously for a while well because we have a lego we have a lego harry potter castle we have a lego harry potter castle there have been lego harry potter video games yeah um there's a lot of harry potter merchandise it's actually still out there in the world why um you know who they are they do. They do the cutesy uh, uh, pins and pencils and all sorts of stuff. Oh yeah, so and, and, and cute fabric and stuff. Mm-hmm. They do. They have a whole line for Harry Potter. Oh, I, I, I saw it yesterday when I was looking at some some uh, stocking stuffers for Christmas. Oh no, there's a great there's this great illustration of like all the Harry Potter characters, um, kind of in this in this super long sort of banner sort of. Yeah. Sort of element that uh, picture they have. This goes through all these different characters, kind of looking at each other and elements of their of their characters. It 
anime and uh, anime stylings and uh, Harry Potter are not um, uh, are very much a very popular thing. I yeah. Mean, in, oh, I bet. Um, so the world that's in is of itself of Harry Potter again. So we talk about the so the world of Harry Potter, which really just knows the Harry Potter universe. It's kind of been rebranded as the Wizarding World, mm-hmm. which is kind of the way I think is the better way to put it here. It's a version of our own modern world with a hidden sublayer to it of magic. Um, now, at one point here, these two uh, magic wizards and witches actually coexisted with normal humans, but out of fear and prosecution, they eventually went underground. And they're not—they're um, not commonly seen, and they're not ever seen at all. There's actually a, an entire department in the Ministry of Magic, which is kind of like the. Um, which Do they the, live amongst? They live amongst muggles. They live muggles among, are humans. Mu- so muggles are humans. Not magical, without, with not magical, not magical humans. Pump, yeah. Um, and so the Ministry of Magic here in this particular case is kind of like the, uh, kind of like the government that's intended to promote wizarding laws, um, but also to um, stop, uh, also to kind of make sure that magic isn't used around uh, humans at all to kind of prevent that. Because again, because obviously. If you have magic versus, you know, regular everyday humans, who knows what could happen? Yeah, the, you've got a flying car. You know, flying car or dragons are just kind of popping up out of nowhere, you yeah. know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, what's, what I always kind of find interesting about, um, and again, the Wizarding World in and of itself is not just a London or Brit or British thing, because that's where the primary focus of Harry Potter is. It's a worldwide element. Right, well, you have, yeah, you have the Goblet of Fire... Mm-hmm. Which which literally shows different like like, like four different uh, uh, three, a French. There's like a French and there's like a German sort of school that kind of come by um, to participate in this tournament. There's obviously um, with the help of Fantastical Beasts they show Fantastical Beasts they show the American, American side was, yeah. of, of it and um, all that stuff. And uh, what I will say about um, what I find very interesting is just that how much the I mean this world is a very expansive world and J.K. Rowling has made this very very large world that allows almost infinite possibilities within it um, you know ma- their magic system here is what we might consider a soft magic system now it has rules but the rules are not like hard set magical rules um, in which like you know yeah they do show you how to do some spells but they're very nebulous about you know how magic works in general in a lot of cases yeah um, for most magic, you need you need to have just magical aptitude to begin with, but you actually can't use magic without proper study and training for it, which is why there's magical schools out there. Right. Um, otherwise, your raw emotions can trigger magic in general, which is what ends up happening to Harry Potter in a lot of cases. Yeah. Is raw is ma- raw magical power just manifests itself naturally in a lot of cases. Um, and and we should say he doesn't find out that he's magical until he's ten. Until he's ten, and and yet he he you know there obviously have been incidents that have happened in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, he lives. His parents were were killed when he was a baby. He wasn't killed. Um, the um, because he had love because he was loved. The monster, he who shall not be named, which is probably the the phrase you hear the most in society. Yeah, um, in that their comes society. Movies. Yep. Well, they... no. In in our society, you get people who say, "Well, he will will not be mean, named in, in referring to some people," mm-hmm. and that's where that comes from. Yep. But um, but uh, 
you know, can't kill Harry because he is loved. Yes. Um, and so he becomes the unconquerable. He, he becomes the chosen one. He has a number of different terms associated with Harry Potter. Um, now, what, you realize there's a backup chosen one, right? Yes. Okay. I actually prefer the backup chosen one in a lot of cases. I do in some cases too. Well, actually, what's actually kind of interesting, and so um, the actor that was, so um, so the actor that portrays that particular person here, this is Matthew Lewis, mm-hmm. actually originally auditioned for the role of Harry Potter, Potter. as well. So he's literally the backup for Harry Potter. There we go. So that's what so that's, yeah. that's what makes it even more perfect in that case. So I think it was almost perfect in that particular case. Yeah. Um, one of the big staples of the Wizarding World is obviously going to be magic. And how do you do magic in this world? Well, you need a wand. Yeah. Wands are a big deal in this world in there. We've uh, been to Ollivander's wand shop. We did. Yeah. We were. And we, we got it in Japanese. Well, but it's still just as cool. We, yeah. we, we totally understood it, though. Yeah. Um, and, and that particular actor was, like, spot on in his Japanese and in his, Ameri- and his English, English as well. English, yeah. He spoke both, was, both he, extremely oh, well. Oh, yeah. Um, so wands are typically anywhere from about uh, 7 to 10 inches. They can be longer or shorter, depending. And they're made of all sorts of different woods um, that you can ever imagine. Um, but they all have magical cores, which are usually based off of other animals. So like uh, a phoenix feather, uh, dragon scales, or a horn of a basilisk, or a unicorn. Elements like yeah. that that are kind of embedded in the wands. Um, now, one of the things that never... Now, the th- wand chooses... Its owner, yes. Chooses it's, its owner. The owner doesn't choose the wand. So wands are, sem- are quasi-sentient individuals um, to the fact that, um, again, I can only imagine, like, the the wand star when, when students are buying their their first wands. Like, like how, I mean, like, Oleander's, like, got a good read on most people. Like, that star, store just must get destroyed frequently yeah. from just testing wands, I would yeah. imagine. Well, you can put it back. He's magic. Yeah. Um, but then there's another element to the wands is that, like, so as an example, if you take somebody else's wand, the wand usually won't respond to you properly. Or won't or respond as well. Won't respond You're as not well. as powerful. Yeah. And, and you see this in in the last book. Yeah, in the last book. Probably the best example of that. Yeah. Um, Hermione takes another person's wand, and while... And while she says that, yeah, this is a, you know, the, this wand is really wonky. It doesn't work right. I can do, you can cast spells with it and you can do all the normal stuff you would do with it. Um, but when you go to use it, it doesn't always act properly. Well, you've got Snape and Malfoy in that wand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Harry as well. Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of Malfoy, Malfoy's wand actually gets stolen by Harry, but Harry literally pushes and disarms. Um, uh, Malfoy when he does it so when Mal- when he takes Malfoy's wand at the end of the day then it, 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 it actually answers. it actually the wand actually recognizes oh this is a stronger person so I'll work for him yeah and Malfoy's wand actually ends up being um, working for Harry Potter at the end of the day which was which typically wouldn't happen if you just you know if somebody else dropped their wand and you picked it up you know wouldn't typically happen well you have the whole thing with with uh, Dumbledore's wand yeah and, and Snape has Dumbledore's wand, but because Snape didn't really kill Dumbledore, it was really Malfoy. Mm-hmm. It, it won't respond for Snape the uh, right way. Uh, well, no, no. So, um, so the notion being is that um, is that uh, Malfoy uh, disarmed 
uh, Dumbledore, so the wand reverted to Malfoy, but Voldemort thinks that Snape is the one who has who has the ownership of the wand because he's the one that killed Dumbledore at the end of the day. Right. Now realizing that it's Malfoy who actually disarmed uh, Dumbledore and the wand fell the ownership right. to Malfoy, and which later becomes a turning point for um, Harry, who ends up, when he disarms Malfoy, becomes the new owner of that particular wand, wand because yeah. he disarmed Malfoy in the yeah. process. So. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. So, wand, so yeah, wands have a very kind of sacred treasure element. I mean, like, um, keep in mind that you can't really repair a broken wand at all either. Um, you can kind of stitch it back together, but it won't, won't ever be, work be properly. The same, yeah, it'll backfire on you more frequently than anything. Yeah, it becomes unreliable. And, and then a broken wand is just can't be can't be put back together. It, yeah. Once it's broken, you you can't fix it without the without Dumbledore's wand at the end of the day. Um, and, and what and, and what eventually happens to Dumbledore's one? Well, so I don't want to say because I'm trying not. Okay. I'm trying to be a little all vague because right. I don't want right. to spoil it for people okay. who haven't read it at all. Okay. Um, we we will spoil what we'll do we'll here. Sp- we'll have to spoil some things. We'll, what we'll do is we'll actually spoil the first book because our homework is actually going to be to watch the first movie and to read the first book. Very cool. So because I because what I really wanted and, to do and, and I have to say the movies are on I think it's TNT or Sci-Fi one of those like every other weekend the whole series you could like spend a day mm-hmm. and I've 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 done it where I've had that going in the back cuz I've seen all of them anyway where I've had that going while I was doing something mm-hmm. and spent the day with Harry Potter. Oh, absolutely. And and again, I mean like um and I guess now we can kind of we can kind of talk about it a little bit here. Um Having read the books and going in, and going into the movies, like I, you you have to appreciate at a certain point that keep in mind that when the when the first movie came out, when the first Sorcerer's Stone movie came out in two thousand one, the there had only been four books that had been released at that particular point, but elements from that first book, you know, obviously have a later impact on the fifth, sixth, and seventh yeah. book later on. And so it's hard, and, and the nature of movies in general of adaptations is that something gets cut out eventually. You know, you can't include everything because again, this book. These books are, are like it, six, seven hundred pages long. The, the well, not actually. So the combined total of all seven books is around forty-two hundred pages. Is it really? Yeah. Because it, because it, they're long books. Mm-hmm. Oh no! no, no. Yeah, each book is again probably good. Uh, 400 to 700 in, uh, pages long in each case depend, and some will vary excuse me some will vary in length um, I want to say the first book somewhere in the neighborhood of like 400 pages maybe because um, well, there are 7 books there's 4200 pages that is 600 pages per book yeah on average yeah on average yeah um, but there's there's a lot of small minor details that get that are when you think about it are small and minor at the beginning but end up becoming a bigger deal later on yeah um, and so it's hard as a movie to um, to really be able to include all the stuff in there. And keep in mind that even though the books are um, primarily telling a singular story, there's a lot of other side stories that are happening throughout they do, the entire They develop stuff. characters the entire time. Yeah. It, what's in, Again, the books themselves are actually told from a first-person narrative descri- uh, style. Yeah. So they're all told from Harry's point of view, and it's often like, I thought this, or yeah. um, it's not. Oh, Harry thought of, thought it this way, or anything. It's no, it, unless Harry sees it, it didn't happen. Yeah. Or if he's hearing that it happened, he's hearing about it from a third party source, which could or could not be reliable, or a yeah. first party 
yeah. in the cow, you know. So again, all these could be could be right or wrong. Who knows? Only uh, the storyteller does. Yeah. And so from that, and the movies obviously can't take that sole perspective. They have to kind of do it from other characters' perspectives from time yeah. to time, and not include Harry for whatever reason. Because if you did, then you'd have runtime would just be Harry. Yeah. Um, but um, like my favorite example of this is actually the fourth book. Now again, like I don't or the fourth movie here. Like um, the fourth movie to me is actually like one of the more annoying books because it cuts out a lot of it, it introduces a lot of these side elements early in the early in it. So you think like, oh, this will become a recurring theme later on, and they never mention it ever again. Uh, my favorite example being Rita Skeeter. Yeah. And she's this. Report- but, but she is important later on. And she becomes well. She, she's important. She's an important side character for that fourth book. But she becomes a character that is recurring later on. Yeah. Um, as this reliable media is this person you can rely on to actually report stuff because you actually know what her big deal is at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but in the movie, she's introduced kind of at the very beginning of the. She's uh, a reporter. She's a reporter. She's introduced toward the beginning of the movie, and then she's forever in the background and yeah. even kind of the stuff that even like some of the little notations that uh come up later on about how somebody's getting all these you know amazing scoops, scoops and rumors like it's never described it's never explained that it's her at the end of the day and how she's doing it it uh, is in the books it, it again it is in the books it becomes a very yeah. a very interesting point at the because again at a certain point in the books um Especially at the end of the book, toward the end of the books, like she stops reporting for a while, um, and it's discovered that one of the other students um, had captured her, yeah. um, and so that's why she wasn't reporting at all because she's uh, she's not she's doing something she's not supposed to be able to do right. or without a license. Yeah, and again, trying to be um, quiet about it without giving it too much of the yeah. information away. Yep. Um, but again, I mean, like there's a character there that. Um, was a somewhat important, somewhat in kind of interesting character at the bare minimum, and a good side story that never got resolved and never ever got mentioned. Well, I, at I, all, I think you know because at the, at the point where where the movies were coming out, um, we were actively reading right the book right before the movie came out mm-hmm. and trying to finish before the movie came out. And um, in reading the fourth book. Um, you kind of knew, like, there's no way they were going to include all the little stuff in there because because that that book I'll have to look at the number of pages because we have it, but um, that book uh, is dense. It, yeah, there's a lot going on. Well, there's, there's well, not only is it dense, it's also the one book where you have like two other schools with the characters that are kind of there as well. And while they don't mention a lot of those other characters, like they're developing a lot of other characters in this book. They're developing a lot more of the characters from Ravenclaw and, and Hufflepuff and, well, and, um, it's, and Gryffindor. And, like. And, and, like, you meet you meet Ron Weasley's oldest brother mm-hmm. um, in in that in that particular book. Yep, because he brings a dragon. Because he brings a dragon. And, and um, you don't get him again for a while. And I think you don't. They mention the older brother, but you don't see him again. I think until the last book. No, no, no. You, you, see, he, he gets introduced in the in the in the sixth book as being one of like Dumbledore's army's um, yeah guys yeah. Um, and he gets bitten by a werewolf, and so he ends up having like wolf like tendencies in the seventh yeah. book. Like yeah. he's like, I'm always hungry for meat. I don't know why. I just I'm always I always really just want meat. Yeah. 
Um, and it's described that he's um, that he's got the wolf-like tendencies, like another person that's uh, that's in there. Luca. Co- uh, yeah. Yep. So so um, so yeah. Um, there are a lot. There's lots going on in that book, but for the most part, that that book, that particular movie accepted. They follow the story. Oh, yeah. And, and they the don't book, take license with it. No, the, the books do follow the stories really well. And if all you ever watched was just the movies and you never actually read the books, you would understand the Harry Potter story in the, and of itself yeah. perfectly fine. There, the, yeah. you, you would not be missing anything as a result. But you would miss a lot of the side characters. The which little are some, stories, yeah. yeah. Which often, I mean, like, I love Luna Lovejoy. That she's my favorite character. She, she's one of the, she's just this weird oddball that's like, Perfectly could, situated, right but, to but be. But don't you know somebody like that? Yes, I, I know, do I, too. I know people like that. That yeah, like, they're they're ditzies all hell, but they're actually brilliant, and mm-hmm. and it's sort of hidden and they're underappreciated. Yeah, they're this under underappreciated sort of genius that just doesn't come across normally because they just, they're they just don't odd. care. Well, because they, they just don't care to care to to conform. The, yeah, they don't care about the social norms. Who cares? Like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but again, there's so, there's lovely there's characters they, like that. I love the twins, um, and so and we we can talk about some of the characters that you'll see meet in these stories. Uh, should you read it? Obviously, you've got Harry Potter, which is the title character. Um, he you'll he's he's always described. You, you can always tell him that it's him because of his round glasses, which made that style of glasses popular again. Yeah, um, which are these basically just bright circular glasses. Um, as well as his me- always moppy, messy brown hair, brown black hair, askew, yeah. um, and a lightning bolt scar that's underneath that, underneath on his forehead. Yeah. Um, so you can always tell that's him. Um, you have the uh, eponymous Ron Weasley, who is Harry Potter's best friend, and he is a um, he comes from a very large, pure-blooded family. At the end of the day, of ma- of many- pure-blooded meaning both parents are, are wizards. Yes. Um, uh, so he, but he's off the um, a comic kind of a comic effect kind of character in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. um, immature and um, insensitive to a lot of cases. But he's also very brave and loyal to his friends and puts himself in harm's way for the sake of his friends. He's actually quite smart. Mm-hmm. He's a good chess player. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, you have Hermione Granger, um, who is a Muggle-born. Fully muggle. Fully, she will. Because you have you have three different things. You have three different kinds of wizards. You have full blown, full born muggles who are just naturally gifted and mm-hmm. have the magical power. Then you have half bloods. Yes. Or uh, muggle, so uh, mud bloods, mud bloods. Well, mud blood is kind of like a derogatory term for muggle born uh, mages, uh, wizards, and witches. Well, I thought I thought that was the derogatory term for half, half, and half. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Maybe. Um, yeah. I, I'd have to and, and and then you have full-born. And yeah, you have pure bloods. These are pure mages, magical families in a lot of cases. Um, you have kind of half-bloods where you have like a person who is magical versus a person who's not magical. Like, you know, they have a baby and it's, maybe it's magical, maybe it's not, maybe it's Maybelline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a cute line. Um, but Hermione Granger, like, <laughs> obviously is also much like Harry Potter, doesn't come from the wizarding world at all. Um so what's interesting about uh, Harry Potter is that he's a self-insert point of view character, which is great because whenever Harry Potter sees something that's magical by nature, everyone else treats it as normal. He's just like, whoa, which is great for us because as as the audience. Because it's how we see it, too. Because it's how we see it, too. So whenever You've never we, been to Diagon Alley. 
Yeah. And so, like you say, <laughs> you see Diagon Alley, you're just like, whoa. And everyone else is like, eh, I don't know. This is the seedy part of Diag- Diagon Alley. Like, we don't. Oh, the don't... first time he goes through a flu. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, the first time he's just holding a wand and everyone else has been like, eh, it's a wand. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you, you'll get your own eventually, kid. Yeah. You know, so there's elements like that, um, which, again, is also great for Hermione Granger because while she is not of the magic world that's never had any sort of pedigree in it at all, um, she's actually the smartest of the bunch of, of the three friends here because she's the most uh, studious and the most knowledgeable of everything, despite, for a lot of cases, her seeing it for the first time as well. Well, and, and <clears throat> I thought the fact that you had in your in your your core three mm-hmm. your three musketeers as it were you had this this comment about race relations oh because they really they really do of sorts they're they're each their own races right mm-hmm. somebody who's magical but lives outside of it um somebody who's full blood magical somebody who's not in any sort of magical family and has no standing and and they bond together. And to me, I saw it as a comment on on race. And where you see it, really, if you think about it, as a comment on race is, is you've got people like Malfoy who comes from a very elite magical family. Mm-hmm. Very snooty, kind of turns his face up, uh, up against everybody. Very judgmental, very, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and you have to be good enough for him, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, um, and to me, that was... Uh, a comment on because I mean, you do have you you have black wizards you have everybody there mm-hmm. I mean so you have a black or I mean so oh yeah you, see, you, have, yeah. you have everybody of every mixed matron stripe I mean actually Harry one of Harry Potter's love interests for the fourth book is actually uh, Chinese so, um, Chinese uh, yeah uh, Cho Chang yeah so I'm, I'm assuming Chinese at this yeah. point um, so yeah I mean that's Harry Potter's love interest and that's not like even in like it's not even so much as brought up as like a, that like you know the race is not even brought up but for the most right. part here right um interesting to them, to them race takes a different form yeah race is race is 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 what kind of family you come from yeah not not what you look like at the end of the day well and 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 half bloods are kind of second class citizens mm-hmm. yeah and pure bloods are supposed to be like the prestigious version right mm-hmm. yeah interesting note about uh, hermione granger actually is that um in early versions of the story and illustrations of her, while they don't outright describe her as being a um, predominantly of a Caucasian descent at all, uh-huh. um, in early in early artwork for those for the first two books, um, they actually showed Hermione Granger as a slightly more tan-skinned individual. Oh, um, so potentially even Middle Eastern or. Um, or of a slightly darker skin shade. So they, they left it very nebulous, and it wasn't until uh, the third book when it was described as her white face kind of peering between trees that they all kind of just like, oh, 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 she's, she's Caucasian. Okay, okay we okay. got it. Yeah. Um, but you can see that in some earlier er, earlier depictions of Hermione Granger um, that she might have had a slightly different look to her. One of the nice things about the about the series is is you watch them as well. You watch them mature, and they 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 mature very nicely in the books. Oh yeah. And and the nice thing about that that's mirrored in the movies is that the movies were filmed, um, you know, with the same cast 
and were filmed one a year, so you saw them aging the same way mm -hmm. and maturing the same way that, that they do in the books. Oh, yeah. I mean, keep in mind that the casting director um, for Harry Potter um, initially saw her son and was like, oh, he could be a good Harry Potter. Yeah. Because um, he wasn't acting at the time beforehand at all. And basically, I mean, again, it's interesting, again, for a lot of us here, I mean, like, I got to watch, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grant, um, Tom Felton, who plays uh, Draco Malfoy, and Matthew Lewis, who plays Neville Longbottom. Um, I got to watch them literally age over time. Yeah. And uh, it's been kind of somewhat interesting. Um, each of them have gotten kind of a, uh, with the exception of Emma Watson, who's probably the only one, is probably the one who's come the most successful movie star in her own right, right? yeah um everyone else has gone through um quite a number of different roles um well i i thought it was wonderful that daniel radcliffe was an equus on on broadway oh yeah he, he, a lot of them actually moved on to stage performances yeah um or have gone on to do more charitable works yeah um which i find very which i found very interesting in that particular respect um and it's it, but again though it's kind of hard to for me to look at them and not think Oh, there goes uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast. No, no, that's Hermione Granger. She just yeah. doesn't have frizzy hair. Yeah. So. But uh, she has done, she's gone on to do other things. And she's also in, embraced some charitable causes. I think they mm -hmm. all have. Well, they've all embraced quite a number of charitable causes. And they, yeah. I think they've used um, their stardom um, at, in a very, um, a very, a very good, not necessarily a very good way, but I think they've all been very graceful about their transition to adult actors i think it's interesting because they were they were always age appropriate mm -hmm. when they were filming these so when when you know harry potter's how old was daniel Rad radcliffe when he first took the role he would have been 10 years old yeah 10 years so, old moving on to 11 so he would have been yeah. age appropriate and then and the yeah. movies kind of came out like it came out pretty much every year give or take um yeah and um i think there was a, a year difference between um, the Half-Bud Prince, and then uh, obviously you had um, Deathly Hollows got moved into two movies here. Yeah. Um, so by the time they got to Deathly Hollows, like he would have been 19 years old when it was yeah. filmed, and so he would have been 20 when it came out. So he was about the right age for when these characters would have been. So they, and again, like that's never going to happen, probably never going to happen again at all. Unless, you know, like you couldn't even do that as a weekly. Um, you, you probably even couldn't really even do that as a weekly series at all. Well, I mean, what, what's interesting to me about that, though, is is that um, you have what are essentially childhood actors. And, and historically, childhood actors haven't matured well and, and mm -hmm. have gotten sort of lost and, and um, they haven't they haven't Emma Watson went went to went to college and I don't know if the others did the others did as well yeah. from my understanding all yeah. of them, all of them are at, or at some point were in some level of college. Um, by the time the last movie came out. Because most of them would have either been 19, 20, 21 yeah. years old at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like it must have been a fairly fairly well-grounded um, experience for them because they all they all have managed that transition without going going sort of the, the drugs and, and alcohol and everything else route that so many do. Well, and, and I also, I mean, I think it's also just kind of a nature of the timing for when it happened. I mean, like... Because child actors, um, especially in the in the '90s, going into the 2000s, I mean, like I couldn't tell you what happened to the cat. What what really, honestly, happened to almost any of the cast post um, uh, Full House? 
Well, I, mean, I know I know one of them had drug problems. I know the the Olsen twins, you know, basically started their own little media empire. Yep. Um, but I couldn't honestly tell you what any of those other characters went on to go do at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, the one uh, I think John Stemos at one point was on ER, which is how I how I know that's where he landed at one point. Um, but like Bob Saget and David, Bob Saget. Um, but those weren't child stars. I, I mean, but those I can were, remember like jo- Jody Sweeten um, did an appearance at a at a ribbon cutting. We hired her mm-hmm. and paid like two thousand dollars for it to have her come to a, a ribbon cutting for one of our buildings. Yep. For a shopping center. Yep. Um, and it, I remember thinking that's just not a lot of money. Almost, yeah, she got fired from L.A. for the day. Yeah, I thought it was sad. Yeah, and, and but again, I mean, like, there's a lot of. I mean, you go. I go to a lot of conventions where I see. Like Lou Ferrigna at a at a Comic Con, and it was just like, well, I mean, like, like the Hulk. He was the Hulk, but like you were the Hulk in like 1970, 1980. Like a lot of us weren't. A lot of us that are going to go see you weren't even born then. Yeah. By that point, we're not so going to remember that Hulk. We, so we don't really truly know who you are. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other. You see a couple other um, actors like that as well. Now, obviously, now some of them have actually aged really well into other uh, other roles, like. Um, the same thing I think is true of like the Power Ranger cast. Yeah. Um, one of the actors, literally one of the lead actors, became a, a, a um, an ambulance driver and technician. Yeah. Um, that's how hard he fell out of Power Rangers. And keep in mind that he was a prominent star in Power Rangers for like two for like good two years. Um, and again, I mean, like I I just appreciate how much these the the actors from. <clears throat> Harry Potter have transitioned into a have gratefully transitioned and um, and are doing a lot different things that are not in their original wheelhouse at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and again, they're taking on more um, interesting roles in that particular case. Yeah. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I think we should probably talk about the Universal Theme Park stuff real quickly because we mentioned it. Yeah. Um, that so, was a trip. So when we were in Japan, uh, we got to the we got to our hotel, and literally the first thing, I I, I don't know first why. First night, right the, off the, plane. the first night, I don't know why we want. I don't know why I, I was insisting because I was told there was something that I wanted to see that was there, and there actually really wasn't, unfortunately. So I felt a little bad about that, but we went to Universal we went. Studios. In, we we actually in we, Osaka. Yeah. So if you if you wait until what was it five o'clock, you got a discounted ticket. Mm-hmm. There was like a like an evening ticket. They, an they evening ha- ticket. They have it at Disneyland too. It's a Twilight Pass, is what they call it. Okay, so we got so we got Twilight passes, and we stayed until like nine or nine or so. It was like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, and then um, went back. And then went back, went back and back had dinner. Hub. Yep. Um. Uh. And and it was fabulous. I mean, it, it, first of all, it it was um, hilarious because you, it's Universal Studios in Japan. This was in Osaka, and um, and it had um, a, a whole Jaws section. It At had, Jaws, we watched the Terminator in Japanese. We we flew out of SFO, you know, like like uh, thirty hours, twenty something hours before, and we were back on Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, they So, I mean, it had, it, it was all American themed. Oh, um, yeah. Stages I, from, from... Snoopy, like, all, uh, yeah. all, not, I don't think there was anything there that was strictly a Japanese property. And the other thing that was really interesting <coughs> was our first introduction to headbands with 
um, things on them. Yeah, so everyone had kind of like their own like everybody had ear, like their Mickey kind. Of, so not Mickey ears though. Not Mickey ears. These, these like, were like like headbands with little antennas with with, with dibble, 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 dibble different boppers on them. Yeah, with different had. characters on them, and everybody had them. I almost bought a set, and I'm like, I'm gonna take these home and wear them when. But but they had everything from Elmo to a. They had Hermione. I mean, oh, so, again, remember there's again we were in line. And we saw a number of people dressed, dressed, us, dressed like full on, just like, oh yeah, this is Tuesday because I think we landed on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. This is yeah. This is just an every other day sort of thing. We went, we got out of school, went home, changed, got on the train, and then showed up here. You know, but but again, like what I find kind of interesting at the same time is that like they so typically if you're gonna go cosplay in Japan. You don't put on your costume until you get to the venue. Yeah. Because you don't want to be on the train looking weird. Because everyone will be very judgy about you. But for Harry Potter, all you have to do is just, like... It's just, like, a shirt and, like... A, a standard a, 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 school girl or schoolboy costume yeah, with a tie. Yeah. Which, which in Japan is not unusual. No, and again, like, you know... and that So that's that's not very unusual. And then, and then all you have to do is just put on whatever cape or cloak... Your like road. afterwards, and you just kind of hide that with your bag, and you just like. Well, just as an overall comment, though, because we saw this in in Disney Sea as well, mm-hmm. um, is the Japanese have a thing for cosplay, and oh, yeah. and they do it well, and um, and it a lot of couples dressed. You know, in Disneyland, it was Aladdin and Jasmine. It was you know Belle and the Beast. It was whatever. Oh, I saw I saw a great cosplay couple as Ratatouille, and one of the guys had the mouse in his hair. Yeah, which I thought yeah. was like brilliant. Yeah. So and so there was so cosplay is a thing and and it was true all over Universal um, Studios as well. Well, yeah, and it was all sorts of different things. Lots of lots and lots and lots of Harry Potter and not all from um, you had Ravenclaw, you had Slytherin, and Hufflepuff, you had, you uh, had everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting. To, to it, was, to, it wasn't to, all Gryffindor. Um, yeah, it was very interesting to see everyone kind of walking around there. And then we got to the actual site. Oh, that uh, was amazing. Because it was a long walk to get to it. And again, like, there it was... It was around the other side of the park. So you basically went through, like, Diagon Alley. Um, and you could go into the castle. Now, I, I, now I'm i a bigger guy, and I don't fit a lot to these rides well, we in went, Japan. we went into the castle, though. We went into the castle. We got to do, like, kind of a walk around through the castle. castle yeah. Um, we got to see Oleander's... Uh, Ollivander's, shop. yeah. Um, we watched it. We we watched a performance at Ollivander's mm-hmm. in which he helped somebody choose their wand. Yep. And uh, which I also found kind of interesting. There was a lot of Caucasian people at Universal Studio, which I think makes a lot of sense because you'd be like, "Hey, this is the Western work, stuff." And we say working at Universal Studio. We mean working it. Yeah, we we, we mean again. All the guy the who staff. Was, the guy who was doing the wand shop was. Um, not an older white guy. I mean, like, but well, an older white guy. Yeah, he was in his forties. Like forties, fifties, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but again, beautiful Japanese and kind of an old, old. Obviously, style. living there for a while. Um, and then also in English, because he, because he, he, he waved hi to, because he spoke to us in English too. Yeah. Like, oh, would you move back there? And then he then we directed everyone else in Japanese to yeah. where they wanted him at, and was leading through the entire thing. Like I, again, like they had a great affinity for this Western property that was that again that I always find kind of interesting because it would only be. I would love to go to Japan and just kind of do a study and figure out, like, what do you guys think about X, Y, and Z uh, media franchises in Japan? And just do a study on, like, hey, here's what the Japanese think of Star Wars, or here's how the Japanese 
interact with Star Wars, for example, or Star Trek, even, or any of these other franchises. I would, I would love to be able well, to. What, do- what was that? What was that <coughs> a, initial? Th- the first, the first thing we went into was a um, a show. We went to, to go see Terminator. Yes, that's what it was. Oh, so we were in Terminator, and the, the this woman who's kind of like stalling for time at the top. Now, mind you, we couldn't tell what she was saying, but she had the perfect inflection that you knew what she was what, saying. What she was saying at the end of the yeah. day, she was just like all in Japanese, but didn't lose a thing. And then she like looked at us, and she was like, "Where are you guys from? Uh, California." Oh, it was like it was. It was just like I I could have watched her do that, and even if I never had subtitles, very on, very over the top. Oh, uh, uh, I could watch her do that for for like another yeah. hour at, yeah. at at least. I was just yeah. like I was just entranced. And I was just like. Oh, and, and then, again, this is so just we went a- to several of the performances along with riding the rides, mm-hmm. and um, and and that and that was a hoot because even though they were in Japanese, as you said, they didn't require translation. No, you knew you you know you knew, you, you knew what was up. Yeah, and, and even even the ride itself, which is this uh, basically just the show, partial live action, partial uh, filmed, filmed yeah. show, like. I didn't need to hear what was... I didn't need to understand the language to know what was going on. I was And just it like, shook underneath the floor. Yeah, and it, it was yeah. really cool. It was very cool. The Terminators riz, rose up out of the ground. Oh, yeah. You know, they stared at you intently, were pointing their guns. It was... It was, pre- it was yeah. It was, it was a trip. It was well, it was well done. But, uh, you know, in, and uh, I thought, you know, you come into to um, the Harry Potter world through, through a gate... Mm-hmm. That it, it really is its own separate world, and and really, at least a third of the people in there were dressed in in cosplay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, again, maybe there more, were, probably more. Even there was a lot of people dressed up as individual characters. They had like blonde wigs or yep. or, or longer hair, and it, like they were intentionally cosplaying as characters, and others were just like students. Yeah, um, it, it was so interesting to see this affinity for this property and franchise at the end of the day that you would just not remember the fact that Harry Potter's been translated over to 65 different languages. Yeah. Um, and you forget that it's not just an exclusively Western thing. Because keep in mind, I mean, like, there's a lot of Japanese animation that actually literally takes place in Western places. Yeah. Um, or, or has a lot of Western themes in it from a Japanese point of view. Um, and I found just this love of interest that they had. They had again, like even even in Japan, they had this great affinity for Harry Potter. Yeah. And you know, and it was just it was just marvelous to me to see that in person. Yeah. Much less it was the fact, really really surprising. Much less just kind of like as you walk up into the castle with this great you know uh, effect of as you get closer to the castle, like it gets taller looking. Well, yeah. So they they they've used portionality to to express. Mm-hmm. And, and and that actually happens in their real castles too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, yeah, in Disneyland they describe that as from a di- from a distance they're all it's all well lined up, but as you get close to the intentions, that the stuff at the lower level is actual size versus they start shortening and, and shrinking the size of stuff. Yeah. As you get closer to it, so it makes it so as you get closer, everything looks like it's much taller, much, much taller than it really much is. Much more intimidating. So the top floors of of uh, some of the Japanese castles. Are, are almost like falsies because they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I mean, interesting. They get, yeah, the, we we could go on again on for yeah. Japan for so yeah. long. Yeah. Um, but I think what we'll do is we'll end it that here for um, for Harry Potter. So again, we will link 
Uh, I will link to where you can find uh, the Harry Potter movie as well as the Harry Potter book on Audible. Um, and again, I would recommend listening to it so you can do like two things at once. You could be cooking and listening to it at the same yeah. time. The audio version of it is surprisingly well done. Um, there's different, they, they have different actors that come in to play the different roles. Okay, I was going to ask so, about that. Uh, so, or the version I heard had different actors that yeah. came in to play the roles. So I found, I found that to be very useful for me to remind myself who was talking. Yeah. Um, because again, if you just have a back and forth and, and you're reading, a, and you're reading it sometimes, it's hard to distinguish. Yeah. Um, but again, so what I want to really kind of have is a good conversation next week about, the difference between the movie version and then the book version, because you'll see this a lot. I, I see this a lot also in, uh, not so much actually in Japanese animation, because in Japanese animation, uh, <clears throat> you tend to, um, when it comes when you're translating something from like a manga to a anime, um, the manga takes the manga usually spans like maybe like five ten minutes of a, of an anime versus like. And the anime has to cover two to three chapters at a time, so in a lot of anime, you tend to always get the little little itsy bitsy details in there, if not like just straight out animated shots of the shots that were in the manga in a lot of cases because they were such iconic looking um, still images. They translate yeah. well to a uh, uh, um, animated version. Yeah. Um, so you don't see it a lot of anime, but you see it a lot more in books uh, to to um, media in a lot of cases and um, so I'd love to, so I'd want to have a description about I want to have a conversation about that next week because I think that's an interesting take to realize that if you enjoy this movie or franchise stuff will get missing because there's a lot of stuff missing in Lord of the Rings well I mean I, I recently read The Last King of Scotland and then I watched the movie and, and it's a very different they're very different mm -hmm. they're very, I like The Last different. King of Scotland yeah yeah no why because I'm going to Uganda so I thought I should oh yes absolutely yeah so uh, we will have all the show notes and all the information we talked about on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com. And then we also continued the conversation on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast. And if you have any ideas or future topics or just want to see some of the stuff we've been following um, as well, you can visit me at nerd underscore tutorial and drop me a message if you like the show or anything else. And then if, wherever you're listening to this as well, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, Wherever you're listening to, leave us a leave us a review of what you think about our show, so that way we can get the message out and other people can learn some of the nerdy stuff my mom is learning. Yeah. But until the meantime, we will see. We hope you guys stay safe out there in these weird times, and we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye.